this conversation has reemerged, it, it seems, among public leftist and or communist personalities. Um, and we thought that it would be good to talk about in, in the context of what people have been saying about it recently. Um, this resulted. <laughs> so in- here's the all white panel to discuss indigenous issues. Thank you. Thanks. That's I don't nice. know. Uh, but Land Back ultimately started in as an organization last year in 2020 on Indigenous Peoples Day. It was <laughs> it's not actually so Glassfire Revival Hour. Lance, these folks think Land Back started in 2018 by an NGO. No, you're wrong. He thinks it started in 2020. <laughs> Let's talk about that scary term, everybody. Now, there's a couple issues that seem to get regurgitated uh, in the leftosphere. Uh, They get repeated over and over and over for some reason or another, uh, and this happens to be one of them. Land back, it's... uh, Some of you may have heard that it's very frightening, that it's actually the equivalent of ethno-nationalism, that it's uh, about kicking white people off their lands they were born in. If you were born in Canada or the United States, this is about kicking you out of your house, putting you on a boat, and shipping you off to Europe. Go back to Europe. You whiteies may have been uh, how you were described this. Now, we have a new version because it's 2021 and the internet is vast and we have a lot of new permeations of what uh, different groups and political ideologies are. Uh, and we now have the patriotic communists, uh, who I guess have also aligned with what I would describe as uh, the uh, Marxist-Leninists, uh, combining with the pickup artists of Twitch. Um, they've all formed uh, this new faction that is trying to come out and say that Landback is, of course, uh, bourgeoisie. So we've got Peter Coffin, who's one of the key figures of this. Do casinos benefit all Native people living on reservations they are constructed on, or does poverty persist, ranging from hundreds of dollars annual to many thousands? Very few distinguish large sums. The idea that, well, a capitalist economic base persists, there is always going to be bourgeoisie, an owning and ruling class. The land-back schemes, operated by nonprofits funded by billionaires, exacerbate the class division rather than resolve. Land back is not land reform, self-determination, and sovereignty. It is a public land privatization scheme taking advantage of people demanding decolonization without an understanding of capitalism and imperialism. This project is a means for West Bank Corporation, Canada's leading luxury residential and mixed-use real estate development company, to build without regulatory oversight and generate $10 billion in rental revenue. My God. Oh, and it's that example I showed everybody when I talked about land back not being as scary as you all thought. So here's the thing. Uh, I know another term, class reductionist, is one that gets thrown out a lot on the left. And a lot of people are like, I don't even want to know what it means. Typically, when I use the term, it would be, and this is something that Ben Burgess says doesn't exist. But I'm kind of seeing uh, an example of it right now in the way they are framing this. Class reductionist reducing everything to its essence to its class and that we do not need an intersectional approach to our politics or to our analysis or to our dialectical materialism, whatever you want to call it. Instead of looking at things from an intersectional approach, we have to reduce everything to its raw class status. And that being that there is no point in doing things like land back for indigenous people for any reason, because at the end of the day, all you're doing is transferring ownership of power and wealth into one group to another, but the class antagonisms will still persist, as in we will not achieve communism through this process, to which I say, no fucking shit. 
No one has ever said that land back equals communism. Where in the world are you getting this? This was the weirdest thing for me to see. For to, to see multiple people coming out and be like, well, this is not actually going to achieve communism because as you see, the transfer of wealth and the creation of the bourgeois class for indigenous people creates yet another bourgeois class. This does not remove the class. No one is saying that. That's not what land back is about. What the ever-loving fuck? This whole thing could have been done so much like earlier if you had just like, I don't know, done a cursory Google search. Now, I understand. Uh, that maybe the idea of land back is suddenly being reappropriated into some new uh, definition of it. So I want to explain it very clearly for everybody, just just so it's not a frightening concept. And this is what I can tell you from working with indigenous organizations in Canada, including members of land back movements and uh, uh, lawyers who have also discussed uh, land back as well. Um, also lawyers who have worked on the missing and murdered indigenous women's case. Speak to someone like Brie Ouellette, for example. He can explain to this to you very, uh, very clearly. But land back in relation to Canadian land back movements happens to do with the fact that there were treaties signed between the people who came to Canada, the colonizers in this case, and the people who already lived there. The treaties uh, would distribute sections of land and also give the indigenous people autonomy over that land, the right to self-determination. Now, as time goes on, and as more and more legal battles happen in this country, it turns out that more and more people are honoring that. It's actually a good thing. It, they, they are winning in the Supreme Court of Canada, they are winning in the Supreme Court of the provinces, and Canada recently joined UNDRIP, which is the UN Declaration of the Human Rights for Indigenous Peoples, which also states that Canada now has to follow, uh, that uh, Indigenous people have sovereignty and autonomy over their own lands. The other thing is, they are not trying to kick anyone off their land. They're not trying to kick white people out of their homes. They're not trying to kick white people out of their apartments. They're not trying to kick non-indigenous people off their land and ship them out of the country. No one is doing that. That is honestly uh, a very imperialist mindset to think that like, well, if we did it, surely they will do the exact same thing. And the answer is no. The reason I use this as an example when I first started talking about land back is because I wanted to make it more palatable to be honest, to liberals, because the vast majority of people are not leftists. The vast majority of people on the internet who are, quote, progressive are typically liberals or, or sock dems or neoliberals, whatever you want to have it. But the idea of making land back more palatable God, is very important to me, amazing. and I'll explain why. Uh, Inner Reviv, 2003. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, is because this is a direct example of a very successful land back uh, victory that happened for the Squamish Nation in Vancouver, in which they won some of the most expensive and pristine land through a land back criminal court case. And now we're going to be developing uh, this development in North Vancouver, um, in in the middle of uh, the city. The Squamish Nation is proposing to build. And yes, by the way, Peter <laughs> Peter was awful blown away that these buildings didn't already exist. They were like, wait, these these aren't even real buildings yet. These are like uh, drawings. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're renders. They're, they're called renders. They're, they're, they're what architecture firms do before they build the thing in question so so people know what they're going to look like. That's, that's how development is done. But anyways, yeah, we're, we're back here anyways. Uh, so anyways, the Squamish Nation wins this land, and they say what they're going to do is instead of the dreaded kick whitey off the land and force whitey to become homeless or something, they're going to develop a whole bunch of low-income housing on these properties. Yes, they're going to sell housing, and they're also going to rent out housing. So yes, they will become landlords. Yes. Am I trying to advocate for the creation of new swaths of bourgeois landlords by saying this to you? No. No one is. The weirdest thing about all this is that you're not differentiating between the fact that, like, non-Indigenous people already do this. Non-Indigenous people are going to continue to do this. Like, 
communism is not being activated tomorrow. We're not a week away from the communism button being pushed. And so there's going to be white landlords. There's going to be white landowners. And there's going to be white landlords who are exploiting people, especially when it comes to housing in Vancouver, because housing in Vancouver is so crucially expensive. It's so expensive that it's pricing everyone out of the city who isn't already rich. So here's a proposition. As part of their uh, land back settlement, they're going to build housing for low-income people as well as rent it out. I'm not saying that having indigenous landlords is a, is a solution to the exploitation that goes on between any two individuals. It's not. But land back isn't about that. Land back is not activating communism or socialism or whatever you want to say. In the same sense that, like, yes, if you want to use the examples of casinos, Peter, they're not supposed to change uh, the entire economic system of capitalism by the very nature. If anything, they require capitalism to operate. And again... These houses, which are going to be, uh, you know, the supposedly sustainable green building, uh, are also, you know, they're, they're going to be quite, quite lovely looking. It's kind of like that ideal version. But either way, that's that's really, that's really not the point of all this, you know. Oh yeah, I said North Vancouver. Sorry, not North Vancouver. I didn't mean to say that. Um, I, I've, I've issued a correction. It's over. Anyways, this continued to explode. Uh, I saw Luna was suddenly getting a lot of people. Uh, you know, getting very, very mad at her. Infrared, ha uh, Infrared has deleted the tweet where he told me to go back to my white master after trying to weaponize rape trauma against me because I don't like the USA flag. I guess even he could see that this mask was slipping a little too far. So what was that? Luna Oi. So this creep who called me a sex object as opposed to interracial relationships, by the way, we are married, just keep going more mask off. You clearly don't have any arguments except to dehumanize people of color and weaponize their rape trauma. You mean women of color who literally date white men? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Run back to your white masters. Disgusting. Um, and this also started, I believe, because it was a discussion about land back. And then the defense was, well, rather than talk to you about this issue of land back, which, of course, is supposed to be some new bourgeois scam in conjunction with uh, Amazon. Um, but to, to mention that anyone who's going in opposition to someone's argument happens to be because they have a, quote, white master. Yeah, that's just like, that's a horrifying tweet. Now the infrared stalker game is just finding their mass sexuality harassment of me by claiming it was a response to a tweet I made months ago and having clarified many times the pictures in the thread below explain my positions and clarifications, which I've already made many times. When you say this to me, you're saying that I'm a sex object reinforcing orientalist notions about Asian women and weaponizing rape trauma against Vietnamese people in particular. You're disgusting. Fuck all the way off. Anyone who thinks this is okay, unfollow me now. It's fucking hilarious to me that people are saying shit like land back is bad because indigenous people will just profit from resource extraction. Like, y'all are fine with it until potentially benefit indigenous people. Also true. First, let us recognize that the indigenous peoples of the world are not a monolith. I can't speak for all indigenous people, nor could any indigenous individuals. Land philosophy manifests in different ways for different indigenous people. This relates to the dialectical materialist concept, which the Vietnamese socialism we call private and common. Just like with communism, land back manifests in different ways for individual indi indi indigenous peoples, private aspects, but also their commonalities, which exist across most indigenous movements. Like, if, if you're trying to completely put a stop to uh, the idea of indigenous sovereignty... Uh, you have to understand that the idea uh, the idea of indigenous sovereignty is something that I've said is a positive thing for a number of reasons. One, A, they're not trying to kick you off your land, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. But B, um, in the large part, especially when it comes to Canada, they are working very hard as land defenders, as in they are the front lines 
of people in the environmentalist movement who are stopping the construction of pipelines, who are stopping the uh, the logging of old growth forests. Um, they are the ones who are trying to utilize their sovereignty in order to protect Mother Earth, as they reference it, uh, against ex- excavation, against uh, resource extraction. So if you are like, you know what, I don't want to uh, even indulge the concept of land back, A, because I think it's simply turning indigenous people into the new bourgeois class, and that absolutely disgusts me. Uh, I, I will only only support something that is unilaterally going to end all exploitation simultaneously for all people at once, like some magical, uh, uh, I don't know, switch. Well, then you have to understand that you would then be uh, giving power and control to corporations in this country, especially like I can speak directly for Canada, who are looking to extract the resources of this country. So the same people who are going to put through pipelines, the same people who are going to put in mining centers, who are going to put in, uh, you know, uh, tar sand extractions, who are going to de, uh, who are going to cut down old growth forests, uh, you're giving them a free pass. Like if you suddenly were like all land back movement has to end right now, there's no such thing as indigenous sovereignty. There's no such thing as sovereign territory. Every single indigenous person across this land is actually a Canadian citizen, even though technically they're second class citizens under the Indian Act. But anyways, I don't care about that. But that's just the way it's going to be. Cool. Well, then overnight, all these uh, corporations that are just being held off at bay by all these activists and the, the the main title being used to protect these lands is of course indigenous sovereignty would suddenly get a free pass. They would have the ability to suddenly do whatever they wanted with that area. And one of the saddest things about that is that I don't think that's like this is why class reductionism pisses me off. Because it's the same thing if you want to talk about the experience of black Americans. Like this is this is what you'll see with people like say Amy Therese or other people who put forward that like, you know, uh, why do we want to enable, uh, you know, black made companies or help out black made, uh, you know, products or support, uh, you know, black small business owners or anything like this nature? All we're doing is creating this bourgeois class of black Americans in opposition to us. Right. And I just like want to scream these things already exist. We already have a system of white supremacy. There already is a bourgeois class, all right? And it is overwhelmingly white at the moment. I'm not trying to create uh, in addition to extra bourgeois states, but are you not genuinely going to support any marginalized people on their road to try and, like, I don't know, lift themselves up, be self-sustaining or anything of that nature until communism begins? Like, is, is that where it starts for you? Because I've got something to tell you. Even if tomorrow we abolish capitalism, it's it's gone. We we get rid of capitalism. We get of open markets. Everyone, every single country just does a reset. Do you think we would all wake up in the morning and racism would also have disappeared? Do you think we all would suddenly be like, oh yeah, <laughs> what were we doing that whole time? That was weird, right? Do, do you think that none of this would suddenly start to start up again? Does that solve the same problems? Like all this ingrained program racism that every single one of us has from birth because of the society that we live in? Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, imperialism is what aesthetically land back is against. However, the material effect without addressing the economic base, what Marx is criticizing, is expanding and reinforcing capitalism. Note, I am for self-determination. Capital-funded land back will not do this. So, the capital-funded land back thing, and why they think they've suddenly achieved this great gotcha, is because they found an NGO in the United States, and that NGO happens to have received millions of dollars from Jeffrey Bezos. Cool story. Landback is not a monolith. Landback is not one single NGO. That's that's not how it works. Like that's that's not how most social movements work. 
And, and neither are indigenous people. Indigenous people aren't a monolith. People who are advocating for land back in one part of Canada might have different sets of demands than people in other regions. Like, suddenly, because you found this one example, they've started saying that the entire thing is capital funded. I can tell you for a fact, there's a lot of land, ma- uh, sorry, land back activists in Canada that have zero capital funding. Like, what are you talking about? Stop talking about land back being an attempt to co-op anything. Land reform is good. Land back is intellectual property of an NGO funded by capital. Again, what are you talking about? Like land back TM? Land back is the intellectual property of an NGO funded by capitalists, including Bezos? <laughs> like this this became a thing where basically a whole bunch of, uh, you know, prominent indigenous Twitter accounts were suddenly having to like rapidly try to explain it to everybody like whoa, 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 what is this no 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 this all of you are misguided this this is not at all what decolonization what land back what any of this is supposed to be about why do, please don't listen to this you know what i see is a bunch of middle-class college kids acting like they speak for entire indigenous communities which they do not for me it's very simple i go by the communist party's collectively decided line and yet this discourse dances around the substance i've never seen anyone say they're against self-determination land redistribution reparations or nor against indigenous struggles anyone yet people act like this is a so-called discourse is about but is it like I I just beg you to broaden your gaze and look beyond these one or two examples that you found, because, yes, there's going to be NGOs. There's going to be uh, movements that have been either corrupted or that are in this solely for financial gain or are just trying to do this. There are people who try to take uh, political movements and steal from them. That doesn't take away a lot of the victories that have been done for land back, especially in Canada. Like there has been numerous victories that have been done for land back in Canada. And there's still so much more fighting that needs to be done. Like the idea right now uh, in Canada is that indigenous people still fall under the purview of the Indian Act of Canada, which is an incredibly racist document. And if you ask indigenous people, hey, do you want us to abolish the Indian Act? Because yeah, okay, fine, we agree. It's like, it's hella racist. We should probably get rid of some of these rules. Or what would you prefer? A lot of them will tell you we would prefer the control and sovereignty over ourselves and our land to the point where it renders the Indigenous Act uh, completely useless because you would have no control over us within these territories. You would have no ability to govern us, to tell us that we're second-class citizens, to tell us that women uh, are instantaneously not members of uh, the head of a community, or that women cannot vote, or that women cannot be uh, Canadian citizens. All the terrible things uh, that the, the, the Indian Act does in this country, that is part of the land back movement in, in an effort to decolonize uh, this region. I mean, it's not just, it's not, it wasn't just Coffin uh it was it was all of them like i haven't even listened to this yet i want to play a little and bit of it. we are live hey everybody uh thanks for joining us for pact i am the p peter coffin the lovely miss astronaut cowboy doctor master of science here is the acd together we're packed um don't miss an episode subscribe on youtube spotify or your favorite podcast service uh-huh. also leave us a glowing review on audible and apple podcasts we are a five-star podcast not four not three five <laughs> i'm a five-star man <laughs> Sorry. Help us help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash pod. Your monthly support gets you into our Discord servers, gets you exclusive content, and uh, you see some content before anyone else. We've got fantastic packed merch available as well. Finally, tell your friends. We rely so big on word of mouth. We'll answer Super Chats at the end of the stream. Uh, we stream 7 p.m. usually every Saturday. This is obviously a different case. Uh, we stream 7 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. Thanks a ton for tuning in. We're really excited to have with us today Caleb Moppin and uh, Fox and Alex of Space Commune. Thank you very much for all coming in today. 
Um, there is a whole big land back thing going on right now. A regenerated discourse. <laughs> yeah. No. No, it's new to you. It's new to all. Land back has been something that indigenous people have been fighting and dying for for a very long time. Discourse itself is regenerative. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said regenerated, but sure, oh. regenerative if you want by inherent um, biological capacity. Yeah, yeah. Make it more equipped to handle the environment. Um, yeah, uh, this conversation has reemerged, it, it seems, among public leftist and or communist personalities. Um, and we thought that it would be good to talk about in, in the context of what people have been saying about it recently. Um, this resulted. <laughs> so in here's the all white panel to discuss indigenous issues. Thank you. Thanks. That's I don't nice. know. Uh, but Land Back ultimately started in as an organization last year in 2020 on indigenous people's day it was it's not a <laughs> so glass fire revival hour lance these folks think land back started in 2018 by an ngo no you're wrong he thinks it started in 2020 <laughs> you, were, you were off by two years actually a uh, a campaign that has gone back uh, since the land has been stolen it is a word that was come up with a couple of years ago and um yeah now it's just now right, it's out, of gates, that all right out of the gates good commies support right I think it would be good to start by analyzing what their proposed platform is. Um, and I'm happy to do that using their Landback manifesto from landback.org. Um, Landback is the reclamation of everything stolen from the original peoples. Something I think... Nobody's angry about that. All, all communists would support. This is something upon which we unambiguously agree. Caleb, you've said that specifically on Twitter a bunch of times at mm -hmm. this point. Right. Reclaiming land, language, ceremony, medicines, kinship practices, um, as well as material land resources. It's a relationship with Mother Earth that is symbi symbiotic and just, where we've reclaimed stewardship. Oh, thanks for that. Moving towards liberation, sovereignty for indigenous peoples through organizing political and narrative framework. Um, interconnecting our struggle um, with the land of all oppressed peoples or with the struggles of all oppressed peoples and composing a future where black reparations and indigenous land back coexist. That's great. I, I think every person here would think that those yeah, are rhetorically great, like, um, it's not platonic like... ideals um, for which we should strive as communists. We we always champion the interests of the marginalized at the front of our communist movement. That's These are givens. Um, none of us are claiming land back as an ethnostate project, which we'll yeah. get into. Yeah, we'll get into that in a while. Um, it's acknowledging that only when Mother Earth is well can we, her children, be well. So uh, again, um, these are all goals towards which we would strive as communists, uh, phrased in an all by idealistic, um, kind of yeah. way to, to achieve these things. But of course, these are all things that we would support. Um, if they worked towards these ideals in a way that was materially compatible um, with what they are advocating for. Um, well, that's a very telling thing right there. If they were materially compatible with what they were advocating for. What they're advocating for is getting indigenous lands back into indigenous hands. Indigenous hands. Great. Um, dismantling white supremacy and systems of oppression um, and getting to the roots of that by putting indigenous lands in indigenous hands. Um, more than a campaign to do so, it's a meta narrative that centers indigenous people's experiences and their sovereignty. That's fantastic. Um, Great rhetoric. Great rhetoric. They make it hard to argue with, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and rhetoric that everybody here, of course, agrees with because we're communists. And, yeah, and in we, a literal sense, anyhow. We want uh, indigenous people to have 
sovereignty where they deserve it. Unfortunately, uh, not deserve. Um, they deserve where they it. once had it to be reclaimed. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, I forgive you. You deserve this. Here's a little land back as a treat. Thank you. The unfortunate <laughs> part about this and how land back has been applied is that it has primarily been a movement to privatize uh, public land yeah. um, under the guise of affording sovereignty to indigenous peoples. Um, of course, um, one might ask, you know, well, if we're taking U.S. public land, are we providing public land under the ownership of indigenous peoples? Um, that would ideally be what's happening. Um, but the sequelae of what's happened thus far um, demonstrates that this land back movement is underpinned um, by corporate investments um, and the land that is given back, so to speak, to indigenous peoples. And thus with the material effects of further solidifying the class divisions between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat within indigenous populations. So um, the effects of that are not um, championing native interests. In fact, it's doing the opposite and subjugating oh, um, the proletariat of one of the most marginalized <clears throat> populations in the United States um, to even further um, conditions of inequity um, and uh, experiencing the, con the consequences even more severely of capitalism as it infiltrates um, indigenous communities. Um, so great rhetoric, uh, not really working in yeah, practice. Great rhetoric, but uh, it's all right, so I'm just going to quickly turn into Tale of Twin Rabbits because he lays this out very well. Uh, as Peter Coffin had already tweeted out something to this effect, they said, Land back is the privatization of public land. I don't understand what's vague about that. We do not live in communism and neither do indigenous people. This is simply creating a new place for the fundamental contradictions to occur. Okay, don't let them have anything until we get to that sweet, sweet communism. By the way, Peter couldn't be more wrong if they'd said land back was a type of German sausage. Public lands are unilaterally claimed by the federal government, you absolute twerp. It's called the Antiqu Antiquities Act, 16 U.S.C. 431 to 433, and it's been around since 1906. It's only been on the books for about 115 years and challenged at the Supreme Court level three separate times. I guess it was too new for them to maybe do a silver uh, sliver of research on. Uh, I swear, why does every white boy with the Twitter suddenly have a militant opinion on land back like it was invented 20 minutes ago and nobody knows anything about it but them? It doesn't change the material base of the society that it exists in, and therefore it just further exacerbates the fundamental contradiction of capitalism. And if it if it did actually challenge the material basis, then Jeff Bezos would not be funding it. No, yeah. it wouldn't be giving $12 million, that's for sure. So I noticed someone in chat was relieved uh, that we support um, the interest proposed by land back, but was waiting for the butt. Um, I can make it more dialectical for you. Um, we support the proposed claims of, or claims of land back. Um, and at the same time, having it contingent on corporate investment um, antagonizes what it purports to be doing. Um, well, is that helpful for you? Anyway. Well, I think that now is a good time to open up the floor. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, the understanding that that historically oppressed groups within the borders of the United States, and I know this is about Canada, so it's a little bit different. And I, I really, I don't have experience in Canada with, with the indigenous groups there and such. I can speak more to the United States. But, you know, the communist... I'll, I'll help fill in the gaps there because I have quite a bit of experience for Canada. ...in the United States have historically said that they support, you know, colonized groups within the USA establishing a national territory. Um, the greatest, the most popular example is the Black Belt, right? And that, that in the U.S. South, there are there's regions that are overwhelmingly, even to this day, majority African-American. They're called the Black Belt because of the soil, actually, not because black people live there. It's because the soil there is particularly rich. There were a lot of slave plantations there during the time of slavery. And the Communist Party raised the demand for self-determination for the Black Belt. 
Is public land the only land being considered? Couldn't private land be considered with appropriate compensation? Well, here's the thing. If you were defining land back solely as that it's going to be the reappropriation of public lands that are considered, say, like park lands or something like that, and then given to indigenous peoples, uh, I think, again, you've got a very strange understanding of what is being demanded, especially like when it comes to Canada and it comes to a lot of the land back movements that are taking place there. A lot of the land that they are fighting for is land that I do not think any every, like everyday Canadian would have any earthly interest in. Like, sure, it's gorgeous. Like the northern forests of BC and where the wet sweating people live is, is a beautiful part of, of British Columbia, no question. But it's not something that has been fought over. Like, I don't know if there's this massive desire and exodus to move really far north into the forest uh, where it's really, really remote. The reason it comes up in the news is, A, the ancestral people that still live there are trying to defend that land against uh, the corporate interests of pipelines that are trying to put pipelines through their land. And this is where the clash has been happening for the last little while. But... If they are fighting for uh, sovereignty and autonomy over their own lands, it's one of those things that sometimes doesn't even get mentioned or even is thought about in everyday Canadian society because there's nothing conflicting there. It's like, well, we've got this kind of uh, gray area understanding, right? We may not have solidified uh, through the court system that this is, in, in fact, your sovereign lands, but there's no reason to contest this because there's no corporate interest trying to uh, intercede. And then, of course, this comes up when you have uh, a pipeline trying to go through or, uh, you know, a forestry trying to be cut down or uh, tar sands trying to be built, things of that nature. That's usually where the conflict comes in terms of like the RCMP and violence in Canada. Outside of that, land back movements, and especially the ones that have been largely successful, have been winning through the courts in large part due to the fact that land back in Canada, in essence, for the most th- for the most part, is people trying to honor the original tre- treaties that were signed. Again, a lot of the the land that is usually being won is not like that Squamish nation which won in the heart of Vancouver and that is incredibly expensive prized property like the Wet'suwet'en people that is not land I think that has been fought over uh, on, the, and on, on a regular basis by like people who are in opposition to land back the reason they keep bringing up Jeffrey Bezos is this Jeff Bezos Earth Fund gives 12 million dollars to the Indian Collective uh, recently, a local indigenous-led nonprofit received $12 million from Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos' Earth Fund. Earth Fund distributes $10 billion to activists, scientists, and other initiatives working to address climate change. Indian Collective and uh, Rapid City will use $12 million to support smaller Native American groups working on climate justice to work over the next three years. We are not an intermediate organization, but a movement of infrastructure organization. Thus, the $12 million from the Bezos Earth Fund will be used for the purpose of building infrastructure for our movement and funding innovative indigenous-led climate solutions that honor the relationships to Mother Earth and life. Look, Jeffrey Bezos is giving away chicken scratch, all right? He's he's giving beyond the bare minimum. It's it's like as if you gave away uh, the penny in your pocket kind of thing to uh, fighting climate change in regards to what is the damage that you're causing and how much you actually are worth, right? That's part of the entire Jeff Bezos $10 million Earth Fund. And yes, it's going out to a handful of things. Because it's going to this one indigenous organization, this is the gotcha, where now they're saying, well, land back as a whole is an is an NGO Jeffrey Bezos funded uh shill of an organization and that we should be opposing this and that this is certainly anti-communist by its very nature again NGOs are not a monolith indigenous people are not a monolith this is not the sum total of all land back movements in uh both the United States and Canada and again like the fact that they're like well land back is a thing that started like last year or or the year before is utterly absurd. Land back has been going on, at least as a movement, ever since indigenous peoples have lost their ancestral lands. Like, ever since, like, like if you, even if you went to Wikipedia, even if it was something like, 
Land back is a movement that aims to reestablish indigenous political authority over territories, indigenous tribes, and activist groups claim to belong to them. Scholars from the indigenous-run Yellowhead Institute at Ryerson University describe land back as a process of reclaiming indigenous jurisdiction, breathing lights into rights and responsibilities. Land back is a concept that has existed since indigenous land was first colonized by European settlers. Like, and, and of course, like it may be new to the online uh, Twitter dramosphere. It, it may be new to uh, a whole bunch of online leftists. But it's certainly not new to indigenous people. Arguing that if the black people of that region wanted to separate from the United States and have their own national territory, if they wanted that, not if not declaring they should have it, but if they wanted that, uh, communists would then support their right to it. Um, and then later there came the support for the, the concept of the Sun Belt or Etzlan, uh, which is, you know, in the southwest uh, United States territory that was stolen from Mexico that is overwhelmingly majority Chicano, um, as well as in, you know, North and South Dakota and other parts, uh, other regions that are, you know, indigenous areas and such. Um, and the, the problem with all of that is it gets a little tricky because, um, you know, if you're white and you're going around advocating what sounds like an ethno state or sounds like separation, uh, that can come across very confusing. You know, I mean, there used to be a map the Communist Party had with a map of black belts. Uh, and it was, you know, you know, we support self-determination. But at that point, most black people in the United States didn't want to have a separate state. So it, it's tricky. Um, and again, if if an oppressed group wants to separate from the country, uh, communists have a responsibility to support that. But it's not clear that these oppressed groups actually want that. I don't think the majority of African-Americans in the United States want to separate and form a separate state. So I don't go around advocating that as a white man because that sounds like separation. And the same for the Sun Belt uh, and the Chicano people, the same for the indigenous groups. If they did want full on separation. Uh, and a national territory. Again, I would support that, but I don't. I don't go around doing it on their behalf. Um, the other thing, especially with indigenous groups in the United States, uh, a lot of most of the people that I see on the internet advocating land back. Which, again, what is it? We're privatizing public lands to, to give it to the control of indigenous tribes. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, I most of the people that I see on the internet advocating it are white. Um, and among the indigenous community, look, I've been to Native American reservations, uh, and there are a number of Native Americans who serve in the U.S. military, uh, who are evangelical Christians, who vote for Republicans. So I don't think it's unanimous among indigenous people that they want to form a separate state, uh, and, uh, and, and they want... Oh, okay, yeah, see, this is the problem with all of this. It's just people who are grossly misinformed on the topic and all sounding off, and then everyone is just going to take all this and run off, run away with it. And it's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what you were advocating for the entire time, that you want to form a separate sovereign state, kick everyone off, and that you're actually trying to go specifically for public lands. When I hear public lands, that's scary to me because it sounds like you're trying to take all the parks or something away. And we like the parks. The parks are fun. Why, why are you trying to do this? They want, you know, territory to form a separate state. I don't think it's necessarily uh, unanimous among them uh, what that would even uh, comprise. So I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable going around advocating, you know, a separate state until I was sure that this is this was the overwhelming consensus among indigenous folks. Um, and even then, I would advocate what they advocate. I wouldn't advocate what what you know some nonprofit advocates. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess this all gets tricky. But at the end of the day, I mean, yes. His okay. So not even. Uh like a week ago, I had two indigenous land back uh, earth defenders on the show, interviewed them in detail. They are both indigenous spokesmen uh, for, uh, or spokespeople, I should say, for the land back movement. You know what they were fighting for? You, you know what controversial things they were both actively fighting for? There to be sustainable housing in Toronto for the homeless. That was one of them. That was one of the big things they were fighting for. And the second thing they were fighting for was clean and drinking water in the reserves because one of the largest reserves in Canada does not have potable water. That was the two issues that they were there to talk about and wanted me to platform and discuss. They were not there to talk about, oh, can we turn the parks into our new ethno state or anything like that? 
Like that, that, that they, they were both like they were both trying to uh, fight for issues that can affect multiple people, not just indigenous people like fighting for the homeless encampments that have been destroyed in Toronto and trying to find uh, sustainable housing for them. Uh, that was a very prominent issue for them, you know, and, and just as, you know, getting clean drinking water in a, a reserve that will affect, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of children should be an issue that concerns us as well. Um, this, this is less about, like, trying to separate us into these two strange camps that it really feels like this group is doing. Um, is that conversation on YouTube? I, it's, uh, we haven't edited it and put it on YouTube, but it's still it's in the VODs. You'll see it. Just click on the VODs. You can watch it right now. Historically colonized people do have the right to their own territory, etc. But, but, but this land back stuff, the way it's always presented to me is this is why you can't be a patriotic socialist. This is why you can't advocate 21st century socialism. We're all living on stolen land, and so you can't... Okay, so I have no idea what patriotic socialism is. It seems strange to me. Like, I, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that, like, state revolution is about abolishing the state ultimately. But fine. You want to be patriotic socialist? That's cool. That's 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 your business. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about that. What I am here to talk to you about is that that is not what land back advocacy is fighting for. And, and, and stop twisting it into that. That, that, that people are trying to say, like, you know, uh, every single one of you is an evil colonizer. We want to kick you off. Every one of you has to go back to your, your Western nations. Get off this land advocate like again you're it's it's strange that these people label themselves as the anti-imperialists because they are doing this with an imperialist mindset it's like the same kind of arguments that would be like sound utterly absurd if i was to apply them to uh the israeli-palestinian conflict right it's not in any way the exact same situation they are not i'm not trying to say they're comparable i'm not trying to say that this is just a one-to-one example but if i was trying to advocate for certain things and i was trying to tell you that they like indigenous people in canada live in an apartheid state they live as second-class citizens here is the list of reasons why here Here's the underfunding of the programs. Here's what a life is like on reserves. Here's the abject poverty. Here's the fact that they cannot climb out of this because of these reasons. Here's the the fact that the federal government, as their oversight and purview, is supposed to be the ones providing the funding for a lot of the social programs that are causing all of this institutional racism, poverty, you name it. You wouldn't sit there and be like, oh, wow, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe uh, this is just something that uh, is, is like, at the end of the day, are you advocating for like a one state Canada solution? Is, is that what you're trying to ask for here? It's as if imperialism ends at the border. Like the idea of imperialism doesn't count if it relates to the country within which we live. You know, an economic program to dismantle imperialism here because we can't advocate, you know, jobs and education. Uh, the most blatant example of, of this kind of thing... Lots of people take the intersection of oppression through class to mean class is the only type of true oppression. In reality, it radicalizes marginalized people against systems of oppression and makes them allies in the fight against capitalism. Yes, no, I completely agree. I saw was during the teachers' strike in 2017, the West Virginia teachers' strike. They went on strike in West Virginia, and the Workers' World Party, which was a Marxist group that I had previously been a member of, uh, they were dominated by Maoist third-worldist elements, and they didn't support the teachers' strike on the grounds that the teachers' strike was taking place on indigenous land. And they, they actually wrote a manifesto on their website saying that instead of going on strike, these teachers in West Virginia should pay reparations to indigenous people. And then <laughs> this is what this is. Is this your origin story? And that's what pissed me off. And then I knew I was not for indigenous sovereignty because they went against the thing that I wanted when I wanted it. So it's not good. It's bad that they have sovereignty because they make the wrong choices sometimes. And below it, they put the meme, a meme that said one settler, one bullet. Um, and if you know the history of strikes in West Virginia and company thugs and gun thugs, uh, that was just blatantly scabbing at that point. 
playing. You know, now obviously the rest of the organization didn't agree with them, and there was some internal turmoil. Uh, but to see, you know, this this kind of land back stuff being used as a justification for not supporting, you know, all kinds of working class teachers going out on strike. I mean, that's an example of how kind of toxic this is, right? We should support indigenous people and their 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 call if they want a separate well, territory, etc. Uh, but but this idea that we cannot engage in class struggle, <laughs> but, but not but not if they go against teacher strikes. That's basically it. That's 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 where you draw the line. <laughs> because we're all a bunch of racist Euro settlers and uh, and anyone who does is actually a white supremacist trying to. Prop- no, okay. Here's the problem. All right, and this is coming from the whitest motherfucker on the planet. All right, I am I am I am as creamy as it gets. I'm not going to ever deny how much white privilege I got. I'm I'm as white as it comes. Okay, but yes, my mother is Métis, and I want I want to tell you. There is there is no one trying to like you are framing this whole thing as this whole like us versus them. We are trying uh, every single one of you is a colonizer and every one of you is evil and every one of you has to be purged of your sin of uh, colonizing. And the only way to do that is through land back and, and through, you know, giving us uh, uh, money. And, and by doing that, you, you will be purged of the sin and then we can kick you out of the country and then you get to go back to Europe and everything will be fine. That's what the land back movement is like. No, th- th- this again is this weird framing of the whole thing. It's like, I, I hate to keep using this, but that is an imperialist mindset. Like, just so everyone knows, imperialism and, and colonization, those are two completely separate things, right? Uh, imperialism is when you're enforcing your will upon other countries. As a nation state, you are enforcing uh, your 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 will over other nations, and you're, you're making them do what you want, usually through force and coercion. If you are putting people in that area and you're trying to displace the people that live there, you are then colonizing it in addition to, but they are not the exact same thing. Now, in the case of land back in Canada, yes, there's going to be a whole bunch of terminally online white leftists who will use that kind of rhetoric and language, right? Who will try because, again, it's what they're trying to use to be edgy online. This is their form of being edgy. So they're white leftists, they're heavily online, and then they want to be all super edgy. So they start calling everyone colonizer. You're a colonizer. You're a filthy colonizer. Get off. This is unsettled territory, unceded territory, you filthy colonizers. Go back to Western countries. Oh, you're all disgusting to me. All you call it. And it's like some white kid in San Francisco is like typing on his computer and just like this. Oh, yeah, I've earned. Oh, yeah, I'm edgy today. That's shitty. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as people advocating for. Can you please honor the original treaties that were signed? Can we have sovereign territory and sovereign jurisdiction over our own lands? And by doing so, guess what? We're not looking to kick y'all out. We're not. Lo- and by the way, the vast majority of these lands are not even lands that many people live in. Okay, these are these are usually remote areas, especially in somewhere as enormously vast as Canada. But over that area, yes, we would like to have sovereign autonomy over our land. And there's going to be yes, there's no one size fits all solution to this there's no like as soon as that happens racism over or as soon as that happens uh poverty over no there's a massive amount of stuff that's going to be worked out and needs to be worked out in order to make these kind of things fluid do people uh, renounce their canadian citizenship uh do people get dual citizenship uh, citizenship uh by getting dual citizenship uh how does that relate in terms of how things are done in terms of taxes these are all incredibly difficult and complicated issues but in the interim if someone is winning a victory, as was the case with the Squamish Nation and all those properties that uh, they like to point out as an example of this whole being like a bourgeois, I think it's pissing you off the fact that like indigenous people could potentially have autonomy and become landlords. And that to you is is enough of a problem for it to be like, well, no, 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 this is just all landlords bad, all, all business is bad, all companies bad, uh, and that's why we feel this way. So... Uh, end this stop this right now because we're just creating a different class of bourgeoisie we're introducing uh the indigenous bourgeoisie did did y'all know that's actually a song by the way this is the future that caleb wants 
This is the future that Peter Coffin wants. We them bougie natives. Big hat with the brand. We them bougie natives. Got that custom made blend. But again, that's, that's uh, like, you know, jokes aside, it really feels like that's what they assume is going to happen. Just like it's it's going to be overnight. You'll see the second it happens, we create this this class of bourgeoisie, indigenous people, and then it's just making the problem worse, you know? It's much better for me if land back didn't happen, and then some other developer was the one that developed all those apartments uh, that were already there, which is exactly what would have happened. There would have been a bunch of high-rises built in that area. We don't even know if those high-rises would have been for affordable housing, or if they would have been for a green development, but that doesn't matter because it's worse to me if we give that development again to the Squamish nation for them to do that because I I don't know something about it uh, bourgeoisie class antagonism it's it's I don't know it's it's Marx or something right I just wanted to play a quick description of land back from an indigenous woman so that way we can stop having all these different versions of it native youth have elevated a truth that we've long understood a just path forward is it? Oh yeah, sorry, total sidebar. I didn't even think about this. UBC is Canada's largest community without a municipal government. That is true. People living in around UBC is the University of British Columbia. It's a massive university in, in BC. It's almost like its own unique little village uh, in that it's so big. It's got like, it's got its own hospital. It's It's got like, you know, it, it could be a self-sustaining town at the end of the day. It's also got the only nude beach. Correct me on that, people who are from Vancouver, but it's got a massive nude beach as well. Um, if you want to find the city's most unusual election in British Columbia this year, all you have to do is go to Vancouver City Hall and drive eight kilometers west. After you get past Blanca Street, you'll find commercial amenities, condos, mansions, and at the center of it, a university with a $2.6 billion operating budget. On October 20th, approximately 15,000 people who permanently live there, along with 12,000 students that live in the seasonal housing, can vote for a school board and one person for Metro Vancouver's regional board. It's a confusing situation, uh, says the only person running for the regional director. LeBlanc has lived there for 14 years, but admit he doesn't know what to put his municipality as. It's a company town. To understand why UBC and the surrounding area is the most populated place in Canada without a directly elected government, one needs a bit of a history lesson. For decades, UBC was a relatively mid-sized, provincially focused university, and there were only a few hundred homes west of Blanca, too small to be its own municipality and just far enough from Vancouver that its amalgamation was ever a pressing concern. But over the last 30 years, UBC literally built up its own community, selling lands on 99-year leases, primarily market-based apartments to people without a direct connection to the university, but whose money builds up UBC's endowment. People who live on the campus belong to University Neighborhoods Association, paying a service levy to UBC and a rural tax to the provincial government. People who live between UBC and Blanca are part of the university endowment lands and pay property taxes to the provincial government. While the amalgamation of some form of political representation has sometimes been floated, it's never come to fruition. UBC understandably prefers the current setup, permanent landowners are generally happy with the status quo they bought into and most renters are students that leave before they are politically active which means today electoral area a has a mishmash of different legal authorities and groups responsible for different services but no elected group linking everyone together i think the integration between the growth of ubc and the regional growth strategy needs to be a little bit more connected it's like it's just kind of wild you've got this area that's in limbo where half of it is basically kind of like a company that (laughs) runs it the company being the university Settler governments have always wanted our lands, and they've taken them by whatever means necessary. In the Atlantic region, Governor Cornwallis issued a proclamation in 1749 offering a bounty on my ancestors' lives. In the prairies, the Canadian government pushed us off our lands using the violence of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, by withholding food rations to starve us into submission, and by deliberately mistranslating treaties. Attacking native bodies and spirits was a central part of this process of dispossession. Residential schools, Christianity, patriarchal control, and sexualized violence all function to attack our laws, relationships, and economies in order to break our connections to each other and to the land. 
vast native territories that we managed according to our own governance systems were reduced to a tiny patchwork of reserves. Today, Indian reserves account for just 0.2% of the land. Think Canada's treatment of First Nations was far more humane than the United States? Consider this. The Navajo Nation's reservation is larger than all of the reserves in Canada put together. Nearly all of Canada is considered crown land and technically owned by one foreign family, the monarchs in Buckingham Palace. How did the Queen become the landlord? The racist legal fiction that no Indigenous laws existed in North America and that only the Crown could properly own land. For generations, the government has rented, sold and leased this land, usually at bargain basement prices, to multinational companies who make enormous profits. So you can see, First Nation poverty isn't an accident, it's an intentional and direct result of this dispossession. We have never accepted Canada's genocide of our peoples and its theft of our lands, and for generations we've demanded our land rights be respected. The government's own royal commissions have supported this call for land back. Even the Supreme Court of Canada has handed down several historic rulings that confirm Aboriginal title, which means First Nations own the lands, should be the ones governing the lands and deciding who gets to benefit from those lands. But the Canadian government has time and again refused to respect and implement these court decisions, breaking its own laws. And land theft isn't something of the past. It's still happening today, driven by the endless drive for growth and profits and the racist denial of First Nation jurisdiction. When we go out into our territories to stop unwanted projects or hunt and fish, Canada pulls out the big guns. But who's the thief? And who's being robbed? Canada pursues us relentlessly in fevered attempts to get us to extinguish the rights to our territories, rivers, forests, mountains, farmlands, and everything underneath, under the duress of poverty, forced removals, or incarceration. It's long past time for a reset. Would land back mean putting non-native people on boats back to their countries of origin? No. Yes. What oh. we should be imagining is what Canada could look like if we started returning so-called crown land back to First Nations. Who would you rather control these enormous areas? Corporations who only see in the land dollar signs over the next financial quarter? Yes. Or First Nations who have been taking care of the lands for generations? Instead of getting a permit from the government to destroy the land, companies would need a permit from our nations to responsibly use the land. As the rightful caretakers of the lands, First Nations could insist on sustainable logging, ecotourism, and responsible development. In place of dams, mines, and pipelines, lands returned to First Nations could host solar and wind farms, helping power a new... No, but then you'll all become the bourgeoisie. See, like, if you actually had a dialectical material analysis of this problem, you would understand that this is a bad thing because you're all going to become bourgeoisie, and then you're just part of the capitalist class, so it solves nothing. Who post-carbon economy? If First Nation lands were still used for sustainable and responsible resource extraction, then First Nations would be the ones to decide how and where and who benefits. For the lands and resources that have been irreparably damaged or sold to third parties, they would pay us reparations for the loss of past and future use. It's worth remembering that even though Indigenous peoples make up less than 5% of the world's population, we protect 80% of global biodiversity. More land in First Nations control means a safer climate for everyone. This redistribution of resources and power would usher in a change in Canada's outlook. First Nation jurisdiction over lands and waters would not only be a matter of justice, but a pathway for Canada to a more sustainable relationship to the natural world.
Well, it's not even Vulpes. Everyone has to remain poor, according to Tankies. It's every. It's indigenous people need to remain poor because you know those who are the capitalist class are still going to be the capitalist class tomorrow. It's basically not trying to lift up any other group because if you do, well, I mean, you won't achieve full communism. It's full communism or nothing, basically. And until that happens, let's just keep the status quo as it is, please. Hey, do, do, you, do you like movies? Do, do, you, like, do you like surfs? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want movies and sur surfs watching the movies? So then come over to the new channels. It's the surfs cinema. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Can you do the thing? You know that uh, thumbs up and comment and all those things that help us out in the algorithm that controls every aspect of our lives. Also, if you happen to have a Facebook account, um, can you can you delete it? Like just just delete it. You should probably delete your Facebook account because it's just. It's not a great company, but hey, if you can't do that for whatever reason, I understand. And uh, could you also go to facebook.com slash the surf times then and uh, give us a little like and a follow. We're just trying to push back against the fact that people like Ben Shapiro happen to dominate the platform entirely. And when everyone asks, why do older generations believe the things they believe? One of the problems is the majority of them on social media use Facebook. So to counter that, uh, we're just going to be on there too now. Also, if you happen to have a union or a worker co-op or even a leftist project podcast website, Zoom, MySpace, it doesn't matter. We will advertise it for free on this channel. All you got to do is go to wearesurfs.com and use the forms that we got there, wearesurfs.com. Thanks, everybody. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, may you shower us mortals with gifts from the heaven. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are your humble gestures, clowning around for your amusement. To our lord, Trevor R. and Alexander Thaler, we give you our thanks for this meager land for us to toil our seed. To our knights of the round table, Hagbard Sealine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariana McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, ants are still running the world, Coulter Smith, Tom Grow, Val9000, Jenna Tal, Dark Puppy, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, the Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Janis, Lemmy101, Anthropophojack, Saren42, Chronic to Hemphog, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramon Acosta, Incosin, Violent Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We raise our glasses and we salute you, our comrades. <laughs>